You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome in to the Hodges Huddle. I am your host today, Patricia Caputo. Joining me today is Andre Champagne and Raven Freeman. How are you both doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good, Andre. I'm doing well. What about you? I'm very excited to be back. We had a little bit of a hiatus because of winter break, but this is our first official podcast. And if you're an LSU fan, specifically LSU women's basketball, we have some exciting news as the team is currently 20-0 and on the season. And credit to that is due to head coach Kim Mulkey and her recruiting and the way that this team plays defense. And at the beginning, in December, Coach Mulkey talked a lot about defense, especially Flaje Johnson, who is a freshman coming into the mix here at the lineup. And they talked a lot about how Flaje loved to play offense. She was good at playing offense. But Coach Mulkey said, do you want to be a one-hit wonder? And that was a reference to her rap career. And she said, no, I don't. And Coach Mulkey said, well, then you have to learn to play defense. And that's exactly what this team, Flaje included, has done. So Andre, talk a little bit more about that and how this team and their defensive skills have helped them win games and not just win games, but dominate their opponent. Yeah, literally like just what you said. I think I think Mulkey made it clear that this team was dominant uh, in their win against Bama, but not only did they win, right? They they were dominant. Uh, they were suffocating on the defensive end of the floor. They held Bama to a measly 29% shooting and they forced 16 turnovers. It just kind of shows you how LSU isn't just an offensive threat. And they're, you know, they're forced to be reckoned with on both sides of the floor. LSU defeated Alabama 89 to 51 on Monday, January 23rd, and Angel Reese had her 20th double double. Again, the team has only played 20 games this season, and Angel Reese has had a double double in every single one of those. Just to continue to give some more stats about Reese, she played 33 minutes in the game against Alabama with 14 rebounds, two assists, and 14 points, which was actually low for what she usually scores in a game, speakingly offensively. But Raven, talk a little bit about Angel Reese, the impact that she's had on this team this season that really changed because Coach Mulkey had to recruit a whole new team. There was only one person, Alexis Morris, coming back in that. lineup from last season and there's a lot of new faces Angel Reese being one of them what have you seen from her that changes this dynamic I mean like as far as stopping her and her talent I even heard a commentator say the only way to stop her is when she's off the court I mean her humbleness and her love for basketball is really shown when she's playing and that's truly unstoppable Andre do you have anything to say about Angel Reese yeah it's just like you said, how do you stop her? You just really can't. Like It's like you can try and double her. You've seen it the past few games. We have, we have four other players, and they're going to shoot the lights out. So, you know, have fun. I agree. And what Angel said after that game, she said, I'm having fun. I got my fun back. And she never said much about if anything happened at Maryland that made her lose possibly her joy in basketball. But she just said, this is why I came here. I came here to have fun. And this is exciting for me. And not to even mention what she does on the court as herself, but also the leadership that she exemplifies and she shows. She came in here, yes, she was highly recruited, but she had to earn the respect and the trust of her teammates, and that's exactly what she did, along with the respect and trust of Coach Mulkey coming in, knowing how great of a coach that Coach Mulkey is, trusting their, trusting their plan, and she's been a part of that. And again, just the leadership is what really brings this team together. But LSU will now go on to possibly face one of their toughest challenges. I got in a little bit of a fight with my friend the other day. He likes 
Duke basketball, and he was saying, LSU haven't played anyone. Their women's team might be 20-0, and and I tried to explain that. Bandwagon. They're, I agree. Bandwagon, he's a bandwagon. Duke fan. He's a bandwagon. They're not even good. But I explained to him that you're right, but it's not like they're just almost winning. Or, you know, it's not like they're they're coming into a game and they're struggling. The only game you really see this LSU team struggle against was Arkansas. Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they're destroying these opponents, right. you can say. Blowouts. Exactly. Yeah. Dominating. Like, even a team like Alabama, they're 15-5 and five on the season. They came in, and Alabama, by the second quarter, that game was almost wrapped up. You almost knew what the story was going to be like for this team. And they have a little bit of advantage over Tennessee. Tennessee is also 8-0 and in SEC play, just like LSU. But Tennessee had to play on... Tonight. Tonight, yes. So tonight, podcast being filmed Thursday, January 26th. Tennessee will play at home tonight and then have to travel to the PMAC to play LSU on Monday. So if you're looking at this LSU team, the last game they played was Alabama on Monday, and they're on the road, but now they have a whole week to come back to practice, and they have a home game. What type of advantage does that serve for LSU, who this is possibly their biggest game of the year, Andre? It's a huge advantage for LSU just because they they get to really get some of that rest that they haven't gotten in a while. You know, they've been just traveling a lot um, on the road, or if that's just practice every day, they don't really have a lot of recovery days. So I think, you know, mixing in two or three this week is going to be, like, very good for them. Mm-hmm. Right. I completely agree with Andre. I mean, they all have NIL deals. They're very busy. They get a lot of attention. So rest was really needed. Not and to mention, I'll, I'll add on that, UConn is a very mm-hmm. good team. Tennessee is going to have to play, like, very good, you know, like down to the wire, play their players all minutes. You know, this is a big game for them. Um, so, I mean, they're not going to be very well rested when, once they come in on Monday. I agree. That's a great point. Right now, UConn is ranked number five, so they have that difficult game, and then they have to play number four, LSU. And that that's difficult for Tennessee, right? There's a lot of expectations. And for LSU, you use this game and you say, okay, there's no excuses here if you're this team. You have to come in. You, I'm not expecting, I don't know, this seems like an Arkansas-type game where this might be a little bit of a close game. Tennessee puts up a fight. But the traveling and the impact that it might have on these players' body is definitely something that could be taken into effect in this game. But despite that, they're athletes, right? They're all-around players. We mentioned that they're 8-0 and in conference play. They're 16-6 and on the season. So I think this Tennessee team might have the ability to shake up LSU a bit. Again, their biggest competition. What I like about this LSU team is that nothing seems to get into their heads. These wins don't seem to mean much. They're already focused on the next game by the time the press conference is over. But Raven, does this team like Tennessee have the ability to shake up LSU a little bit and possibly shock them? Oh, totally. Them being ranked. And then we saw them, how they played Arkansas. So I think that Tennessee is definitely going to put up a bigger fight. I think they could, but I don't see it happening all game. Like I, I think it'll be close for a while, and then LSU is just going to pull away. So they play on Monday at 6 p.m. in the PMAC. LSU also has some bigger games coming up. They'll go on to play Georgia, South Carolina. They'll play February 12th. So if you're looking at this Tennessee game, does this team stay undefeated after Monday night? I believe they'll stay undefeated, but I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think there will be any... You think they win? You think they win, though? Oh, yeah, I think they'll win. I think they're going to win by, like, at least 10. 10. See, I was going to say three. I agree. I think it will be more like in Arkansas. They'll win in that three to five range. I think once they got there, like, you know, they know how to close the game out now. So it's like Tennessee. You're right. And and I think Kim Mulkey is a better coach than Tennessee's coach. Exactly. I could see that perspective, too, that you got that that 
they might consider a loss, right? Because you only won well, by three points. It's like, just you got that scare. You got that scare, scare out of the way. Great. And then they move on. But the only thing is, how is Tennessee going to play? That's the biggest question here. Are they going to be able to have that quick turnaround after playing UConn? How does that game go? Are they going to be able to then go to Louisiana and say, okay, let's fix this. Let's try to get back on track. I think they're still going to put up a fight, but I could see where you're coming from, Andre, that they have yeah, that scare. I think they're going to lose tonight. I think I think Tennessee's going to lose yes. tonight. And I think that could start a, like a little ripple effect. And maybe that makes them a little angry, right? Something that Maybe so. Something that I would like to see in the LSU men's basketball mm-hmm. team just <laughs> because they've lost 7 straight games now. Arkansas Razorbacks defeated them 60 to 40 on Tuesday. This is Tuesday, January 24th. The Tigers fall to 12 and 8. The Razorbacks move to 14 and 6 on the season. You have to start putting points on the board for this team. I will be honest, I did not watch this Arkansas game. I was doing a paper, and then I had looked at my phone, and Bleach Report I have, they just give quick stats, so usually the leading scores. And I quickly saw K.J. Williams, and it said nine points. And I said, that has to be some sort of mistake, right? There's no way he only scored nine points in that game. And it was the truth. I mean, the team only put up 40 points in total. How does this team start putting up points to win games, Andre? Yeah, you just got to move the ball better. Uh, you have to take better quality shots, too. Uh, taking these contested threes like we are right now, it's only going to shoot you out of a game, especially a close game. I think making plays for your guys like Hayes and K.J. Williams helps, and you got to stop turning it over. Right. The turnovers were a big problem in that game against Tennessee. They had 19 turnovers, 11 coming from the first half of that game. And Matt McMahon, once LSU had suffered that loss against Tennessee, Tennessee defeated them 77-56 to on their home court. He said a lot about the team because some people ask just what kind of where's that fight in so many words. They asked what is the problem here, and this is what Matt McMahon had to say. I think you have a, a team that is devastated right now. Not, not from today, but just the, the last couple weeks and the totality of, of where we're at right now. And unfortunately, this is part of the process uh, that we signed up for. And, you know, so I think you have to try to find some positives, uh, as difficult as that is. Obviously, everyone wants to win, um, but we have to figure out a way uh, to take some positives uh, from practices, from games, and, and try to build our program. You know, this, I, I knew this was not going to be an easy task. Uh, when we signed up for it, uh, we got to continue to work and fight to try and build not only our team, but the foundation of the program uh, so that we can continue to improve. So we had mentioned that this was a devastated basketball team. You got that? Okay, (laughs) We had mentioned that this was a devastated basketball team, but my biggest question here is where is the fight? We talked about this a little bit on the Sunday show this weekend, and it seemed that nothing changed. You lose to Tennessee, not a very good loss at all. You've suffered a few really bad losses, and now you go into Arkansas. That Maybe it's not a team that you could beat, but it's a team that you could have competed with had you have scored more points and at least defended a little better too. Just all around, this team seems to struggle right now. Where is the fight? Like, if you're them, put yourselves in the LSU basketball player's shoes, as hard as it might be. Aren't you angry right now, Raven? Like, it, aren't, isn't something kind of firing up inside you that you at least want to play in a close game eventually? I mean, yeah, because, like, as far as the fight, it must be looked back in the locker room. Or, like, even when they're warming up, they seem a lot more determined than when they actually get on the court. 
to play. I mean, it's like night and day. And that's like a, what, 20-minute time difference? Mm -hmm. So it's like, what is going on? It seems like in the locker room, no one's speaking up. I mean, I know we talked about leaders. No one's leading the team. It's like everyone has already lost hope already. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's just not much left fight. This team knows they're not going to make the tournament. Um, It's just kind of rebuild, get better. And, you know, there's not a lot of motivation for anyone in that locker room when you're just focusing on a rebuild or improving. And going back to that clip, Matt McMahon had said that we knew it wasn't going to be easy. He used the term we a lot. I really liked that. It seemed to be that team effort. And I think you had to have been honest with some of those guys when you're recruiting that this might be difficult at first. But what going back to what Raven said is you need somebody to lead. K.J. Williams came into the press conference on Saturday against Tennessee and nobody even asked him a question and he didn't say anything. And when Matt McMahon came in and used the word devastated, he was right because K.J. Williams looked devastated. And as horrible as it is, you need someone like him. You need someone like Adam Miller, somebody to take that devastation and say, we're going to turn this around. Even if we're not winning games, we're going to try to do something about it. Yeah, I think you just I mean, you got to keep playing with each other. You know, you can't just give up. I mean, you, you're representing LSU. You know, you have those three letters on your chest. It's it's an honor to play for, you know, a prestigious university like that and, you know, do what you love. So, you know, you might as well give it your all. And now there's no way to simply fix this basketball team. Again, what Matt McMahon says, this is a process. Right now he's trying to rebuild almost like a franchise, right, just because of everything that's happening, the sanctions, what happened with Will Wade, so on and so forth. And Matt McMahon knew that taking this job. LSU knew that when they had to find a guy like Matt McMahon to come in, someone who wanted to rebuild a program. And so there's no simple way to fix this. But something that could possibly help this team get through the season is the turnovers that we mentioned. They had 19 against Tennessee. They had 15 turnovers against Arkansas. Andre, speak on those turnovers. What can this team do to try to stop that? Well, just play cleanly. It's it's essential. They just look lazy out there. They're making, you know, passes that they should not be making. But uh, they they have a lot of ball security issues uh, just can't dribble into uh, into like two or three guys. But, you know, you get rid of some of those turnovers and, you know, that erases a lot of runs. You know, these turnovers turn into fast break points, which helps other teams just blow us out the water. Right. I agree. And also, like, this is kind of basic, but, like, just play as a team. I mean, on the court, it seems like five different players that have not played with each other all season. So – Maybe if you even just unify, you can clean up everything. I agree with you both. LSU will go on to play Texas Tech Saturday, January 28th at 1 o'clock. Texas Tech has not won a single conference game this season. They are 0-8 in conference play. Their record overall is 10-10 on Wednesday. They were defeated by West Virginia 76-61. to You have a chance to win this game Saturday. You're in the PMAC. You're at home. You're losing a bunch of games. There's a lot of critics out there. Hopes are kind of high that this very well might be. I think this could be the only game this LSU basketball team wins for the rest of the season, possibly. So if you're going in, Andre doesn't think that, but it's possible the way that this team is behaving, the way that this season is going. Mm -hmm. But if they win this game, I think it could turn around the season. Not saying you're going to make a tournament. You're not going to make some crazy run, most likely. But it, you could at least start winning games closely. They, they could get that fight back that this team so desperately needs. Andre, could it change anything if they beat Texas Tech on Saturday? 
I don't think so. But I mean, it's a good start just to improve for sure. I mean, I don't even have, like after watching Arkansas, I had a different opinion after our show on Sunday. But after watching that game, I was like, no, I don't think they're done. A win, yeah. Well, in order to beat Texas Tech, they're going to have to clean up things such as turnovers, and this is what Matt McMahon said about trying to clean up some of those mistakes. We've got to find a way to eliminate some of the simple ones, you know, the simple passes that need to be completed, um, because now you're playing in disadvantage in the open floor. And as I said in the opener, they, they make you pay every single time. We talked about mindset a little bit, talking about off the court in a sense. And it seems to me that this team is not a team anymore, and each of them are already focused on what they're going to do next season. Matt McMahon knows he'll be back. Some players, I think they're already in the transfer portal, even though they can't enter it just yet. But it seems that they're already focusing on their next move, and they're just trying to get through this season. Would you agree with that, Andre? Yeah, I do. I think so. I think Adam Miller is one of those guys that that'll probably be out of here. Um, a lot of teams, they know how good that kid is. Um, he's not showing it this year, but I think as a secondary uh, scorer, he he would thrive uh, at like a big university like Tennessee or just anywhere, pretty much. I agree with Andre. And I would just, if I'm one of those players, though. I would want to put up a fight. I'd want to show a team this is why when I enter the transfer portal this offseason, this is why you should pick me up. So I don't have to wait more than a week or two until I'm picked up in the transfer portal and I'm settled in. That is true. If that's me. But yeah. if and it seems like someone like Adam Miller, when you're putting up nine points a game, is that somebody that you want on your team? Is that someone you can guarantee he's going to be good? Right. And I, I'll stand by it. I really think that it does take two years to fully heal from an ACL injury to really feel like yourself again. A ton of athletes have said that in the past, and I think that's the problem right now with Adam Miller. He's just not 100% himself. So a team could easily say that and look at the statistics and look at guys in the past who have had injuries such as this and say, okay, yep, Adam Miller will be better this year. And with the right coaching, with the right team, he'll be a good fit. But you can't guarantee that. And then you need, like just certain guys on this team, don't you want to show this is why I deserve to be at your program? Because even if the team isn't winning games, just I'm fighting, I'm a leader, I'm putting up points or I'm playing defense, I'm doing something to try to help a struggling team win. And unfortunately with any of those players, I'm just not seeing that. It seems that their mind is just so focused on, I've already shown what I can do, I'm going to head into the transfer portal next season. Good luck, LSU. Let's just kind of wrap it up. Let's finish this. But this team does have a lot of problems, and they have to fix it. But again, it's not an overnight fix. It's something that Matt McMahon is going to have to continuously build up for years to come. Moving on, let's talk about some NFL games. We had some exciting games on Saturday. We had talked about the Saturday games on the show Sunday. And then we had some even more exciting games on Sunday to really wrap up the divisional rounds of the playoffs. Let's start off talking about the Cowboys versus the 49ers. That was the night game on Saturday. The 49ers defeated the Cowboys 19-12. Cowboys ended their season. Brock Purdy continues to stay undefeated on the year. Dak Prescott, quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, threw two picks in that game, two crucial picks, as the Dallas Cowboys Twitter account actually said, not just fans and other critics like Stephen A. But Dak Prescott has done this in some of the biggest moments. You look at that game against the 49ers last year, the team has no timeouts, and Dak Prescott runs it up the middle for a first down, and the team needed a touchdown at that time. You've seen in the past Mike McCarthy with the Dallas Cowboys and his time management skills. Once again, the team 
was trying to play catch up with zero timeouts with about a minute left on the clock. So speaking of Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy seems to be saying Jerry Jones says he's going to take his chances on the quarterback. Does he ever win a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, Raven? So this season is the nicest and the furthest that the Cowboys have looked and went. And with rumors about Zeke leaving and other key players leaving, I'm not sure if Dak is going to win a Super Bowl with the Cowboys, if I'm being honest. You want to know what I have in my notes? I do. (laughs) He's not that guy. (laughs) Simple as that. Um, Dak Prescott is so mid, and these people (laughs) think that he's, like, so good. But, like, I think you put – other, I mean, he's got so much talent around him, right. too. He does. Um, I think play calling isn't helping him out, but also he just made some horrific reads. I, I don't think that the Cowboys are going to win a Super Bowl with them. I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon either. But, you know, this is this is every – let's be honest, Patricia. You like the Cowboys. I do. This is an every it is. year thing. Every year. It's an every year thing. Get your hopes up. <laughs> do well enough to make the playoffs. Yep. And then maybe win a game or two, and then boom, <laughs> back to square one. We're going to believe again. The last time the Dallas Cowboys have made it to an NFC Championship game was 1996. None the year of us that were they born. won the Super Bowl. And funny little story, one year my mom got my dad an ornament when they first started dating. And she, it was a Cowboys ornament, and she put all of their, their Super Bowl wins, their NFC Championship wins on the back. How many times they've been there, all of on the back. And a few years ago, my dad goes, look— Nothing has changed. My parents are divorced now. Like They're not even together anymore, and the Cowboys have still done nothing, and that was years ago. And it just goes to show that, yes, they're America's team, but they just can't win these games. Like Everyone says, right, Raven is not happy about that. <laughs> but that's, that, you know, Jerry Jones like wants to have this, yes, we're America's team, come join us, but if you're not winning games, that's not going to happen. You're right. not going to create a fan base. And a guy like Dak Prescott, I don't think he wins the Super Bowl because last year seemed to be the year. Amari Cooper, Michael Parsons was a rookie. You had Ezekiel Elliott there, Tony Pollard, Michael Gallup. You just seem to have the group. And for this year, for all teams in the NFC East to be as good as they were, were quite impressive. Mm-hmm. But then once again, you do the same thing. It's just not working out. And part of it not working out was because tight end Dawson, Dalton Schultz went backwards out of bounds with 33 seconds left to play. And according to the rule book, you have to go forward out of bounds if you want the clock to stop. The clock did not stop. The Dallas Cowboys were shocked, and they couldn't understand it. It was almost the same play as last year against the 49ers, where it just didn't seem like they were were communicating right. They didn't seem that they had the right play call. Are players to blame for this, or are coaches to blame for this, Andre, for that, that call? Here's what I think. I think regardless of what happened there, the game was pretty much over. But you can't really blame the guy. He was trying to go out of bounds. I mean, that like what? How many times are you in that situation, right? But the reason Bill Belichick has won six Super Bowls and why he did it Tom all Brady. with the Patriots is Tom it Brady. is it just Tom Brady though? Because Tom couldn't figure it out this season. Tom Brady right? was he, that man. He though. couldn't. He couldn't figure it out this season with the defense. The reason Bill Belichick wins like he does. I mean, you even look at this season with Bill Belichick. They didn't even make the playoffs, and people are saying, oh, Bill Belichick's a failure. When they nearly made the playoffs this season. And Bill Belichick's won six Super Bowls, and he did it because he knows the handbook, the rule book, like the back of his hand. Right. Right? He knows it inside and out, and that's how they were able to win games. Because things like this, when plays like this happen, the players already know what to do. The coaching staff knows what to do. And there's not these – This that was a big mistake. 
right. to step out of bounds the way that they did. Right. I think it was the coach's fault because as a coach, that's your job mm-hmm. is to know the rules and to call and to call the correct plays. I mean, the players are going to do what you ask them to do. So, right, and that's something that the during practice you have to implement. Hey, right. this is the rule. If this ever happens, right. know it. And even though you, oh, that will never happen, but it did. And once again, it's like the Cowboys are the laughing stock of the playoffs because yeah. they just simply don't know the rule book. Yeah, my roommate Chandler was like, this is exactly what happened last season. Like, you think you would learn. Like, it's heartbreaking to make it that far and lose. And they literally just did the exact same thing. It was the exact same thing, <laughs> correct. But Brock Purdy, this I mean, a standout for this 49ers team. You've had Trey Lance they started the season off with, then J- Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, he gets hurt as well. And then Brock Purdy comes in, he's Mr. Irrelevant in the draft last season out of Iowa State, and seems to just shock all of the NFL. And this 49ers team and this backfield, though, especially, is to give credit to for this 49ers win over the Dallas Cowboys. Christian McCaffrey wasn't even the leading rusher. He had 35 yards. Elijah Mitchell was the leading rusher with 51 yards and 14 carries. And then, of course, you had 11 yards from Debo Samuels that you'll get every once in a while. But speaking of this backfield, they were phenomenal against the Dallas Cowboys. And this is what Brock Purdy needs. Everyone wants to say he's the greatest, he's the best, but he's still a rookie and he still needs help. So, Andre, what does this backfield do for Brock Purdy? Just And how it, does it help him just kind of take the pressure off of him. Yeah, that's I mean that's exactly it. He has all the weapons he needs out mm-hmm. there. It's 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 easy for him to look good, right? I think you stick me back there and and <laughs> hey, I'll go throw a few touchdowns too, but I'm obviously obviously kidding, but um if they had Lance or Jimmy G, they'd be my favorite for the Super Bowl right. just because of the experience, but I mean, Purdy doesn't have the talent to take this team all the way in my opinion. His accuracy is a little off. But guys like CMC, just Debo, Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, that's stacked. That's just stacked. So the 49ers will go on to take on the Eagles in the NFC Championship game Sunday, January 29th at 2 o'clock p.m. You have Jalen Hurts, who's been there, done that, at least been to the playoffs. You have Brock Purdy, who's still that rookie coming in. Everyone's very excited about him. So who is a better performance? Is it Brock Purdy, the rookie, or is it Jalen Hurts? I'll say Jalen Hurts by uh, a good bit too. He he's just he can make a lot happen out of nothing. Jalen Hurts is really good with his legs too. Brock Purdy mm-hmm. kind of just like oh let me find the nearest sideline. But he has the weapons to do that. I mean, you look at George Kittle. The Cowboys could not contain George Kittle at all. Yeah, and I mean just CMC, Debo Samuel. But he's just... not unstoppable. He's not Travis Kelsey. Like George Kittle is not True. Kelsey. You're right, Raven. I mean, I think that Hurts has up uh, because he's the OG in this situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows NFL better. Like you said, this is Brock's first playoffs. Jalen's been there, done that. So I think that that's going to be his advantage. I agree. And they're playing in Philadelphia. And if you know anything about Philadelphia fans, uh, they are hardcore. I was different. a little disappointed with <laughs> them against the Giants. I was like, where's, where's you know, the fight? The Where are you getting angry? I, I didn't see enough of it, but it's just because the Eagles pretty much blown out the Giants. Mm-hmm. So I guess they were just kind of like, okay, we'll wait till next week. Yeah, but because it. exactly <laughs> because they're in Philadelphia, because this team is just so well rounded with the Eagles, their defense, the way that they brought in players in free agency and drafted, they 
this team just did a very good job of making a very good football team. And Jalen Hurts, all of the rumors that happened this offseason, is he good? Is he a system quarterback? Can he read defenses? He's proven everybody wrong, and that's why I think Jalen Hurts is going to have the better performance. But there's guys that Hurts has to look out for, especially if you're going against the 49ers. You have guys like Nick Bosa and Fred Warner you're going to have to compete against. And this Eagles offensive line has seemed to hold its own for the most part. But Andre, are they faced with a difficult task come s- Sunday? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think Bosa is going to have a breakout week. They were actually double teaming him last week. They did a really good job. But um, the Eagles should probably just do the same thing. But uh, the Eagles offensive line did a really good job of uh, containing uh, like no sacks or like less sacks pretty much. Right. I agree. Yeah, and I, I think that that's going to be the most difficult task for this Philadelphia Eagles team, but I, I think they can handle it, right? I mean, even looked at the Dallas Cowboys with their impressive offensive line, the way that they played, the injuries that the Cowboys have been faced with, losing a guy like Jason Peters, but still came in and still tried to find ways to contain Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, and did a decent job, and I think the Eagles have a more well-rounded team than the Dallas Cowboys and shouldn't have a problem with that. But to wrap up the show, let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills were at home and could only score 10 points in the snow against the Bengals. Joe Burrow is one game closer to heading to another Super Bowl. The Bengals defeated the Bills 27-10. Speaking of this Bills team, I mean, where does this Bills defense go wrong once again? Last year, they were one of the best defenses in the league. They come back this year, and they just can't seem to stop. Joe Burrow. Andre, speak a little bit about this Bills defense. Yeah, Joe Burrow was really the difference maker, but I think that what was really overlooked was that Bengals offensive line. They had three out of five starting guys out, and they were were just out-managed pretty much. They just out-game plan. As you saw, they couldn't get to Joe much. Uh, They they were also getting bullied in the rushing defense aspect. I mean, they did not play very good defense at all. Yeah, I think they over. I think they just believed they had it in the bag. They were being too cocky. Mm-hmm. Everyone, Bengals are underdogs. Bills are gonna blow. Like, so also like what Andre was saying, like guys like Chase Irwin just being completely open. I mean, you can't win that mm-hmm. way. Right, and Stefan Diggs after that game stormed out of the locker room before the Bills head coaches even came to the locker room to say anything. Duke Johnson. Who was, on, who was on the Bills practice squad had to come back and say, come on, Stefan, let's go back in the locker room. Let's calm down. It's okay. We'll be back next year, whatever else he might have said to Stefan. But Stefan Diggs is going to be there until 2027. That's the contract that he signed with the Bills. And he didn't have a great performance against the Bengals. He only had four receptions for 35 yards. That's one of the reasons the Vikings traded him, because they were a run-heavy offense. And Stefan said, I w- want to be somewhere else. I want to go somewhere where I can catch passes. And that did not happen on Sunday. But in this situation like that, do you need a leadership from Stefan Diggs? Or was it okay that his emotions got to him, Raven? I mean, I definitely think he needs to be a leader in that situation, especially because I think he's a leader on the team. I mean, if you see your leader storm out, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to feel defeated. You're already not making it to the playoffs. You had a bad game. I mean, you're at home. No one expected that. So I really think he needs to step up, especially in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I completely, I, I completely agree. He's a veteran at this point. You, you got to just take your lick and move on. It's, mm-hmm. it's a game of high emotions. I get that. But I mean, if it hurts you that bad, work harder. 
and it's, uh, work harder and give credit where it's due. I mean, Eli Apple locked mm-hmm. him up all game. You're right. And it's reasonably so. We remember that infamous picture of Stefan Diggs after that Chiefs game three years ago, <laughs> just watching Bro them celebrate. Bro stuck there for three years. That's, a, that's yeah. exactly the meme that I saw. And it's okay to be angry, but... Again, that's where the leadership comes in. That, yes, this should make you angry. Don't storm out of the locker room. Go tell the team that. That you should be angry. And for yeah, next don't, season. Don't go crying to Josh Allen about not getting feeling. the ball. Exactly. He wasn't even open. We'll come back next season and finally beat them. But what happened with the Bengals and what I think motivated the most is that they were almost written off. And Joe Burrow was the only person who said everyone who's buying those tickets in Atlanta, because if the Chiefs and Bills had played together, they would have gone to a neutral site in Atlanta for the AFC championship game. Joe Burrow was saying, everyone, you're going to have to get a refund for those tickets. You know that, right? And it would seem that everyone in the NFL had already leaped over this divisional round game and expected the Bills and Chiefs to be playing together. How does something like that, news like that, that spreads so quickly these days, Andre, really motivate the Bengals team, motivates a team like the Bengals? I think it was a big motivator because I think, obviously, the Bengals are what I think they would have won the first matchup. Um, obviously, that game was canceled. But I think the Bengals still, they have that underdog feeling, mm-hmm. and they like being considered the underdogs. And uh, they're tired of hearing about Mahomes and Kelsey and all, and just, you know, the rematches, all this stuff. You know, it's Burrowhead now, like they said. Oh, you know, they like, they like calling it that. So, I mean, just having that underdog feeling, they thrive in it. Mm-hmm. Right, I agree. Like in the NFL nowadays, being the underdog also means under the radar. No mm-hmm. one's really paying attention to you as much. So as long as you do that, I mean, we're gonna play our tricks and we're gonna win. If you're not worried about yeah. us, and I mean, play soft. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they had the, those dog right. masks. They if you that, remember, like they were underdog feeling. Yeah, they were yeah. underdogs that whole year, and that's kind of how the. Bengals feel right now Mm -hmm. and the only game they might not be underdogs in is the Chiefs game because they have a chance to go 4 and 0 against Patrick Mahomes Joe Burrow Burrow, right now is 4 and 0 or could be the line's like even so that's how you know like it's they don't even Vegas don't know what to do (laughs) and what's difficult about this game is that Patrick Mahomes has that high ankle sprain that he suffered in last week's game and it's then you see a a video of him at a press conference Mm -hmm. he's walking fine and it's not guaranteed that he plays though and Tony Romo mentioned it that he said I had a high ankle sprain one time and I got through that game and the adrenaline was there and I was okay but the next day Tony Romo said I could not feel my ankle and I did not play for the next few games again you probably are battling through this one Tony Romo Ain't Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> Not the same person. Valid point. So you all think that Patrick Mahomes plays this weekend? Oh, yeah. Is yeah, that right? Sure. I think so. We're going to see him. So I think he's going to be fine. The Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. They've been to the Super Bowl many times. Patrick Mahomes, at least. Andy Reid. Joe Burrow's been to the Super Bowl. Did not get to win one just yet. They both seem to have an even amount of experience, but as Great as the Bengals might be, and again, you're that underdog. They can most definitely win despite Patrick Mahomes' injury. It just seems that the Chiefs have a little bit more experience in this area. So you're in now an AFC championship game. Once again, are the Chiefs angry? Does that experience override them just a little bit in the terms of this team and what they've done this season? Can they finally beat the Bengals? I think they're going to be a lot more determined. I would honestly say the Chiefs could beat the Bengals, but... With Patrick Mahomes' ankle. I mean, yes, he was probably walking fine at the press conference, but being at a press conference is not the same as being on a field, mm-hmm. running away from defenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to jinx the Bengals. I'm a big jinx person, <laughs> but I think, I don't want to say, but I think the Chiefs are going to have some trouble. Definitely. I think it's a smoke show. Like, I think Mahomes is going to be 
fine. It's like it's a week. Obviously, it's a high ankle sprain, but I doubt he's practiced all week. Like I bet they're just like, all right, treatment all week. You mm-hmm. should be fine by the game. You're Patrick Mahomes. He did try to practice a little bit yesterday. Everybody practiced except guys like, like through. exactly right? except like, guys like Clyde Edwards Hilaire who were on the IR, but. Yeah. Andy Reid said everyone else who's not on the IR is practicing today. It wasn't clear how much he practiced, but he said that I am going through rehab, I am going through treatment, and I'm ready to give it a try. But I think like I think I think this is the Chiefs' like first time to beat them. I, I think so personally, just because I don't think Zach Taylor is a very good coach. Like in in game, um, I think Andy Reid is just too good of like a offensive genius, too full. Zach Taylor and his defense, I just don't, I don't see it happening. I think the biggest problem with the Bengals right now or the question that they have to answer is their offensive line. You remember that Super Bowl last season? That was their biggest struggle during the Super Bowl, that offensive line, Joe Burrow. How many times is he going to get sacked? Like, even though you have this amazing standout season, that offensive line could not protect their quarterback. And they've just gotten tackled, in a sense, pun intended, like this season in terms of their their injuries on their offensive line. You had Lael Collins, who they picked up this offseason, trying to bring in a guy to improve that offensive line. He was out for the season come December. Two linemen on Wednesday did not practice for the Bengals, even though that they said that they are improving, but they did miss last week of the divisional round. So are they going to play this week? Are they going to be prepared to play this week? How are their bodies feeling generally overall? And that is the biggest thing right now facing this Bengals team. But they were able to do it last year. They were able to beat the Chiefs. I think the Bengals might come away with this one. It will be close. But I would say that Patrick Mahomes' injury does factor into that. I don't think he's not going to be 100% healthy. And I'm not exactly sure that the the, four, the Chiefs rather will be able to get it done with Patrick Mahomes in that injury. I, I just, like that. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It's like Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey. It's going to be hard to stop Kelsey. They're True. just Patrick Mahomes got that experience too. It's just they're tired of hearing like the Bengals talk about them right. too. It's, they're motivated. They're they're due. Like it seems yeah. like they're due for a win against them now. You're right. And I just also hope the Bengals don't underestimate Patrick Mahomes right. being hurt. You know they play mm-hmm. even you know quote unquote softer. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest worry. That's why I even feel like the Chiefs might come away. With You're right because it could get in either team's head. It could get in the Chiefs' head. Wow, they beat us three times. Is that going to happen again? Or it could get in the Bengals. Like, hey, we've beat them three times. Now Patrick Mahomes is hurt. This should be ten times easier, right? Yeah, exactly. Everyone's saying Burrowhead and all this, and there's all this hype. No problem. So both of these teams have to make sure that they stay level-headed and they remember that this is just like any other game. You're going to have to fight through it and. If you want to go to the Super Bowl, of course you're going to have to win this game. So make sure that you play exactly how you were all season. Of course, making adjustments with each team's injury. But That is all we have for you today. I am Patricia Caputo. Joining me was Raven Freeman and Andre Champagne. And this has been the Hodges Huddle.